0: always I'm just saying well I'm just trying to commute I'm just trying to get from one point to the other. it's not a bike race it's not like who's gonna get to the bottom of this hill first
1: hey what's up this is Kat welcome to the joyride well hello out there wherever in the universe you may be welcome to the joyride a celebration of women who ride bikes my name is Kat Caparello and I'm in love with riding bikes and helping break down barriers to encourage more everyday women to try on riding bikes because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives, our communities and the world at large. I've witnessed it in my own life and you can read more about that at my blog which is called Girl Eats Bike. Well, It's launch week here at the Joyride, and that means we're posting one show every day to wet your whistle, to ring your bell, to turn your cranks, to get you rolling, to, well, you get the point. After that, we'll share a new conversation every week with another gal who rides bikes in some form or fashion. Since it is launch week, I'd love for you to subscribe rate the podcast in iTunes and write a review. This will help get The Joyride onto the iTunes new and noteworthy list, which would help more women to find the show, and it sure would mean a bunch. Either way, I'm honored for your time and attention, and I'm so excited for you to join me on this journey wherever it might take us. On this, the second episode of The Joyride, we chat with author Emily June Street from Marin County, California, about body awareness, ego, and searching for her dream bike. If you want to follow along at home, you'll find the links we discuss at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride002. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Now let's get into it. Oh, hey, here's something fun. If you're listening to this before April 12, 2016, go to Goodreads and enter the book giveaway for the Velocipede races. Link up in the show notes. Emily June Street, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with me today through the interwebs and the technology.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, First of all, congratulations on your Velocipede races. I'm a proud member of the Kickstarter uh, club there, so... Thanks for reading. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm about, like, I think I'm around 18 pages in, so... um, you know, just getting into it, getting into the story. I do want to say that I love the language; it feels really romantic, um, and I'm excited because it's not like anything that I've read before. So it's pretty cool.
0: Right on! I hope you keep going. There's lots of bike <laughs> racing in there. Cool.
1: That's awesome. Um, how how's that feel, by the way, to have your to have some bike fiction out there in the world? Because I know you've had you have some other stuff that's published, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that.
0: Um, it feels good
1: to have bike fiction
0: out in the world. There needs to be more of it yeah. so that the, the The bike aspect of that book is something that's very close to my heart it 's something I feel passionate about it 's not just a story but it it has elements of how I feel about bicycling in it so that is, that's been fun to share with people and with other people that enjoy bicycling
1: too awesome so talking about that because that's like really the main the main reason why um. I've got you here today. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your experience on the bike. Do you remember like your first bike or where you learned how to ride? Tell me a little bit about that. Um,
0: I definitely remember my first bike. I I think I learned to ride when I was pretty young. I had an older brother and I always wanted to do the things that he did. You'll see some of my autobiography and philosophy races. So I, I think I was trailing after him trying to get on his bike And my mom decided, well, I need to get Emily a bike too. And the bike that I wanted just so badly was the strawberry shortcake bike with the big strawberries on the banana seat at Sears. And my mom didn't want to get me that bike because she knew I would outgrow it. She knew it was probably just a phase. And so she got me a red bike at a garage sale. But she she went and got a bunch of strawberry stickers and strawberry fabric. decorated my bike for me so i had this awesome homemade strawberry shortcake red bike i think i was four or five when i got it and i just loved it i thought i mean that bike i still have this feeling about it of getting to ride that bike around the block with my my i had ribbons on it It was like trailing everywhere and i the neighborhood that i grew up in there was you know we were allowed to play outside and we rode around a lot my brother and i when we were kids or riding with my brother, you know, I would sit on the handlebars or, and he would steer me around on his bike or I would sit on the seat and he would stand up in the pedals and ride. And then when I was probably 12 or 13, I stopped riding because I was involved in really intense um, ballet training. And in the ballet training that I was involved in, around that age, I hit puberty and they were concerned about the development of my thighs. And because of that, they didn't want me to ride a bike anymore. So I stopped riding because I was very committed to, to dancing at that time. And I was going to do it. I, I was going to do what it took to be a ballet dancer. And so I didn't ride again probably until I was like 21 or 22. In a long period of time where I kind of accepted what I had been told about bicycling, which was that, oh, if you ride your, your bike, thighs are going to get too big. And so there was this whole body image issue that I had towards riding. And then I think I went to graduate school. I gave up dancing at some point. It was very obvious at some point that it wasn't the route for me. And I, um, I went to graduate school. I went, I moved to Hawaii to go to graduate school and I didn't want to have a car anymore because I don't really like driving. And so when I was in Hawaii, that's when I got back into riding again for transportation. So I got a bike when I moved to Hawaii and it became my way to get around. And I've pretty much been a almost entirely bike transportation person since then.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember how you felt when you were told that? Like you couldn't ride a bike because of ballet. It,
0: it wasn't the only thing that, that that I was told that I wasn't allowed to do. I mean, there were there were many expectations about what you were going to give up in order to pursue the dream. But I, I remember that was one of the things. It was sort of the beginning of your body isn't right. Um, And it's interesting to me that it it was coupled with the bicycle because later I feel like when I got back into riding, that was finally the time when I felt like my body is right. And being on a bicycle for me now feels like the most free and um, exciting expression of physicality. And, And so... I I think that was sort of the beginning of a very negative time for me in my body when it was like, here's something you like to do that you can't do it because it's going to make you wrong. But then here I am trying to fit myself into this little tiny box, which was the expectation of ballet, which I was never going to be right for anyway. But no matter how hard I tried, I was going to come up against those walls. And and so I think. That might be one of the reasons I, I like biking so much now is just that I feel like it's a really a free thing that makes me feel so good versus other kinds of physical activities that I've done that don't make me feel good.
1: Yeah, I read, um, I read that in the, you have a Q&A on microcosm her mm-hmm. website and there is um a, some of the inspiration for the velocipede races was about the three dimensional like expansion of your rib cage and yeah and that yeah. sort of thing um yeah i mean nothing is like for me nothing makes me feel like quite as alive as that because yeah. there's just I totally agree. so much amazing stuff um and
0: i like I, I have a sense like a psychological sense of freedom too when i'm riding that it's, it's like being in flight or something
1: yeah, that's a, that's a really great way. It's a really great way to describe it. Um, and ballet training is is hard, and there are requirements there. And those folks are are muscular and strong, and you know. Yeah. Um, and,
0: well, I mean, honestly, I think it was a misinformed decision on on the, the the school that I was working with their part to say that I shouldn't ride. Um, in that i I was so young, I wasn 't really muscularly that developed it was just it was almost just like a way of of putting another rule on all of us um, i don 't know yeah i I think that I think that there are probably plenty of ballet dancers who who bike. <laughs> Or who even use use stationary biking as one form of cross training for what they're doing? So I don't I don't think there was any legitimacy to that rule. It was just it was part of a whole toxic
1: environment. Yeah, I can I can see that. So twenty one or twenty two, you're in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, you are gonna pick up riding a bike again for transportation. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What did? How did you get that? Did you like borrow a bike from somebody? Oh, did you? buy I a used I did
0: one? at first. I borrowed a bike from a friend, just like a, a junker, just to kind of get back into what is this all about. I mean, it had been a long time since I had been on a bike. I think I went. I occasionally would get on a bike between you know eleven and twenty one, but never for any kind of long distance riding or anything like that. So, um, and I I loved it. I loved riding around. It was. Prior to that in Hawaii, I had been taking the bus or or walking places, that was how we got around. And so it was very freeing because suddenly I had, I could get places faster, um, I could get to a, a bigger variety of places um, that the bus didn't go to, but it didn't feel too far to walk. So, um, I knew I wanted to get a bike and I, I went to a bike shop and got a new, a new bike. I ended up getting a mountain bike because... Um, some of the conditions in Hawaii are a little rough. There's there's areas, you know, where there's lots of rain, there's lots of gunk on the road. So I wanted something that was pretty hardy and durable. And that was my bike for about 10 years. Um, I I rode it until like maybe 5 years ago. And it was it was a good bike. <laughs> and then I, I had moved on from Hawaii and I I've, I've been living in Marin County now for about 10 years and it just, it, riding mountain bike was great, but mostly what I was doing was riding on the road, and my commute now is very, um, it, it's very much like a, the kind of commute where I want to be able to go fast on the road, so I ended up getting a couple of bikes for my commute now.
1: And that's like the primary type of riding that you're doing now is is commuting and general transportation? Yeah. That's what I've always done.
0: I've never really been that much of a recreational driver, I mean driver, <laughs> rider, but my commute now is pretty intense it's about 14 miles each way a lot of climbing so i feel like it's a lot of exercise i do it about six days a week so it's it i'm biking a lot yeah
1: yeah and (laughs) And you're you're kind of like that's enough it
0: would be fun to go for a recreational ride but i'm tired (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, i can see that yeah um you know you kind of get to a point and you're just like when am i going to put my free time into my day
0: yeah. You know, yeah. Although that. I find when I when I don't get to do my commute, it's 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 such a great time for me to ruminate on what, what's happening in my life, what's gonna be going on in my day after my ride. I often think about what I'm working on with my riding while riding. Um, and it you know, it's about fifty minutes that I'm on my bike every day. So it's it's a good time to process and to think and to have quiet time with myself too it's one of my favorite
1: things about it. Um, you know, you get to, on your way in, you can think about what your, you know, think about what your work day is going to hold. If that's, you know, if that's what's up or de-stress and decompress a little bit on the way home. Um, for sure. I think my
0: brain works better when I'm moving too. So I have lots of have lots of deep thoughts while I'm writing or, or if I'm thinking about a book I'm working on or thinking about an editing project that I'm working on, I often can untangle problems better. And then I just find I'm climbing or I'm coming down the hill into work. And I'm like, just remember that, just remember that by the time you get to work, it was a good idea.
1: (laughs) That's sort of, I think the, for me, the toughest part, because I do a lot of that same sort of, you know, working stuff out also. Do you have any, any tricks for that? When, like, what do you do? How do you hold on to that? You have a great thought while you're on the bike. and
0: Well, a lot of times it's quite frustrating because I'll actually think of a really good sentence for something that I'm writing and I'll think that's the sentence, you know, and I don't, I, so I try to, I'll just keep repeating the sentence as as I'm going. And I know that if I can remember the one sentence, a lot of the associated ideas that are connected to it will come back to me. So I'll just try to memorize one sentence and I'll just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. (laughs) It's
1: like grasping
0: yes
1: um so so let's see um in your in your commuting in your transportation life on the bike uh what what do you carry with you like what do you consider like an every ride carry what are you you i don't
0: carry much i try to go as light as possible um i have a fanny pack it usually has my phone whatever weird things I might need for work. My work is teaching Pilates, so it doesn't, I don't need a lot of stuff. I have my own studio. I can keep most of my stuff there. Um, I don't, I don't take with me like extra, extra tubes or anything no. like that. Although I probably should. I've, I've gotten into trouble a couple of times, but, um, I've had to ride on some flat tires a few times cause I didn't have stuff to change, but it, it, it's a seven-mile commute each way, so it's not totally disastrous if anything happens. Right. I, there's also a bus that I could
1: jump on if I need to. That's so my,
0: mostly, I don't carry anything. <laughs>
1: um, so, so um, which is which is good because I think sometimes we get, you know, we get kind of yeah. bogged down in what what you do know, we but- need.
0: It's a. I have a fair amount of climbing. I have about a thousand feet of climbing to do. So
1: I don't want to. I'm not going to tote a lot of stuff on that ride. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you can just hop on a bus if something goes wrong. Yeah. 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 So do you like how? Me- like what kind of mechanical experience do you do you have? Have you um, had to change a flat tire? Have you done that? I,
0: I I try to do basic maintenance on my bike. I change tires. Um. I'll I'll clean it i'll change my chain if i need to i can adjust my derailleurs but for bigger things or think if if i get hung up with it i'll take it into the shop i i wouldn't say i'm a great mechanic by any stretch but i'm pretty good at figuring out what's wrong if something goes wrong and i some sometimes i can fix it myself and sometimes i need some help
1: do you have um, a shop that you love there in marin county that you frequent you want to give a shout out to or a couple of them no um, is also okay.
0: <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with bike shops, okay. <laughs> as I know many people do. But the, who I usually see is Miguel at Krakatoa
1: Bikes in Fairfax, and he's great. He's a really
0: so, nice man.
1: So Miguel's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> what What do you feel like is your love-hate relationship with bike shops and folks other than your mechanic Miguel?
0: <laughs> um, sometimes... I feel like uh, Marin is a very bikey place, particularly for people who like to do sports and recreational riding, mountain biking.
1: A lot of Lycra also. There's a a a fair
0: amount of Lycra here and a a fair amount of team kit going on. And that's great. I like that people do that and I like that there are bikes on the road. And I just think that, a lot of times when people are catering to that sort of clientele at a bike shop, there's a certain kind of expectation or an edge to the shop. So you can go in there and it maybe doesn't feel like the most welcoming or friendly place if you're just, you know, regular regular Jane with your regular bike um, getting from point A to point B on your bike. So I feel like I've experienced some condescending attitudes at some of the bike shops around here.
1: Do you are there any um, uh, shops that have uh, female mechanics or any women-specific shops in the area that you're aware of?
0: Not that I know of.
1: I'm, I've never encountered one. Business opportunities in Marin County—that's yes, for there sure. We go. And there, are,
0: there, there is a great network and community of women who ride here, though. Awesome. So, I mean, yeah, someone should do
1: it. <laughs> we will come. Um, so what kind of bike do you have now? You have a road bike now. I have two road bikes. I would like to
0: have more. (laughs) Um, I have a rain road bike. So it's my old bike that, um, I don't mind getting really grungy in the rain. It's a, it's a felt road bike, old kind of a beater. All my bikes, all my life have been secondhand bikes since, except for that one that I got in Hawaii. So I actually would really like to get a new road bike next time I get a bike. My other road bike is a is a custom bike, it's a Merlin, um, that I got second hand from someone and it was I'm I'm experimenting with frame sizes and trying to find a frame size that I feel really works for me, which I haven't found yet. So I'm considering getting my own custom, something that's made custom to me, at some point when I when I can afford it. Yeah,
1: I hear that. I, I feel like I'm in a little bit of that same spot with the the looking for the right frame size. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's just seems and that like can be so
0: interesting much... when you're you're dealing with bike shops too. When you feel like uh, some some of my complaint about bike shops is I feel like they don't really listen to what I want. So they'll have a pre-conscribed notion about well, this is what you should be getting. This is what you need. And I'll be saying, well, this is what I feel. This is what I feel when I'm riding. And this is what I want to feel while I'm riding. And so I I just haven't quite found the place that can help direct me to get me what I want.
1: And I'm wondering about if folks are like really, are like really catering to the racing bikes and that sort of thing. If there's just like, you're not gonna spend enough on this to make Mm -hmm. it worth our while because Mm -hmm. we'd rather sell a $3,000 around
0: here it could be (laughs) 10,000 yeah I
1: know I was I was just sort of spitballing a number but but, but, there's that
0: and there's also just plain
1: old-fashioned bike snobbery you know yeah (laughs) um how do you uh how do you deal with that how do you kind of well usually if
0: it happens to me at one shop luckily I live in a place where there's many many shops so I just won't go back to that one (laughs) and I'll go to a different one but um As far as like searching for my my dream bike, I pretty much came to the conclusion that I want to get a custom frame and I want to to kind of create my own custom dream bike, which is one reason I haven't done it yet because it involves research, it involves um, some some trial and error, um, getting fitted and finding the right fit and finding the right fitter even because it's such an interesting conversation between you and whoever's helping fit you, um, whether they're really hearing what you want I have to say I'm, I'm picky, I'm very body aware because of the work that I do and because of my history in lots of physical training, and I know what I want. And so even if someone says, "Well, it should be like this," or um, you know, it's okay to have your arms here versus here, if I don't like it, it's not what I want." No. So, I, so I have to find someone who's kind of willing to work with me, even if what I want isn't exactly what they think I should want. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still looking. If anyone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will say um, that up here, I live in Portland, and up here we have um, a frame builder. Her name is Natalie um, Ramsland. I might be messing up her last name, but she's the, the owner and the builder at Sweet Pea Bikes. Mm. Um, and they work with Gladys Bikes, who is really popular, you know, women's specific or women's focused, I guess, uh, shop here in, in Northeast Portland. Um, and I had a bike fit done with Natalie and I need to go back and like retweak cause I got yeah, a new saddle. There's and just... always some
0: retweaking that there's... has to happen.
1: <laughs> and, and just like your, I don't know, I, th- maybe you will... Can shed some light on this with your experience but i think that as you become f- more fit more strong mm-hmm. you get used to things like your positioning changes i Absolutely. traditionally have had really weak core strength so as i'm developing that my posture is changing and and all that kind of stuff um but yeah so so i mean they're up here and they're up here in portland but they're really great folks i'm sure you could have you know a good conversation to yeah. to you know see how that feels yeah,
0: that's one of i've been researching my dream bike for years and and one of the things i'm looking at is like where would i want to get the frame built and you know i'm i'm still in the exploration mode Um, one of the things i find interesting riding two bikes and two bikes that are very different in terms of their geometry and their setup for how i ride them one is one is a, a much larger frame than the other um is is my body is happy to adjust to different positions and in some ways i like it because then i have different options depending on how i feel you know on on a day when i'm tired when my legs are tired i may want one bike a day when i really feel aggressive and ready to go i may want a different bike but I, I also feel like it's helping me find the happy the happy place for mm-hmm. as far as how to set things up. And I'll feel, well, on this bike, I know that I don't like my handlebars feel like they're a reach, too far of a reach, and I can't pull my shoulders down, so my neck gets irritated. And on this bike, I feel like it's not enough of a reach, and I'm too upright, and it changes how my legs are or working with my pedals in a way that I don't like. So it's just interesting. I wish that I could have more time to try out more options, but I find a lot of, a lot test riding a bike for 15 minutes doesn't always give me the information
1: I want to have. <laughs> and it's a real commitment too, because really you, you want to ride them for a few miles, like five at least, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of want to do them for me, at least back to back. So you can, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. so you can really tell like, Compared- no, yeah you can really see what's up with that so it is a commitment like it can take a few hours of being Mm -hmm. there and you know doing all that doing all that good stuff um when so i want to ask you i don't know what it's like to ride in marin county um i've only been through there once but Mm -hmm. how do you feel in in traffic like do you feel safe um how do you tell me about your experience Mm -hmm. riding in traffic and
0: For the most part around here, I do feel safe for a couple reasons in traffic. One is that people are pretty used to seeing cyclists on the road. And so it's not like you're a a strange occurrence. You're not like you're not something they're not expecting, especially where I live. There's tons of cyclists that come through on the weekends and, and I mean packs and packs. So people are used to seeing you on the road. I think that's good because I think it makes people more aware that they might encounter cyclists and not as anxious if they do. Um, there's also good alternative routes around here. So there, you, you don't necessarily have to ride on a main thoroughfare. You can go through quieter neighborhoods. You can, If you plan, you can find a route. That said, there really is only one route for my particular commute where, where I ride from my home in a very most rural place into Fairfax, a small town. I really love the rural ride. There's a nice wide bike lane. It's well paved, very visible, feels great. I climb a big hill and then I'm gonna descend down into town. That descent I don't feel as safe on from cars. It's very windy, the bike lane narrows, the paving isn't good. The ideal thing is to take the lane. But not all of the cars on the road want to share the lane with you. And that can get, I feel like I've been hazed a few times on that descent in a way that's very unpleasant. Um, so it's sort of changed how I have to ride that hill. In, now, I, now I do go into the bike lane and it, I have to slow way down. I'm riding downhill on this big, curvy descent and I have to use my brakes just because the bike lane's so bumpy and there's cars passing. It, it's not the most pleasant situation. I think that's my only frustration with, with my particular ride around here. Have
1: have you ever felt like, um, have you ever felt drivers be ag- aggressive? I know you just mentioned the this mm-hmm. hazing, but like, I'm thinking about, um, you know, throngs of cyclists and how drivers oh, yeah. can be frustrated oh, yeah. with throngs of cyclists. So yeah. have you, have you ever had experiences where you're just like, Ooh, that was really That person was aggressive on purpose. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know. I feel like, like I said, I felt like I've actually been hazed by people in their cars. Not because I was in a throng of cyclists, just because I I took the lane and they they wanted to be going faster than I was going and faster than the speed limit in that area. Um, But people definitely, the drivers around here do get frustrated by packs of cyclists. You know, there's always issues with sharing the road. Sometimes the packs of cyclists aren't following the rules of the road. They're they're not stopping at stop signs. They're climbing a big hill and they're halfway into the lane because they want to ride six six abreast. You know, so there's there's issues on both sides there. To me, I just wish everyone could all be more patient with each other. You know, the drivers more patient, cyclists more patient, and not have it have to be such an aggressive thing. We're all just trying to get from one place to another. I know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I hear that totally. Do you ever do you do anything like I like to when people are definitely waiting for me to Mm -hmm. pass by before they pull out? Because that doesn't always happen. I'm not in a a neighborhood in Portland that's super bike friendly, where Mm -hmm. where I particularly live. So Mm -hmm. I have to be really aware of that. Um, But I try to flash peace signs as much as possible and bridge gaps. Do you do anything? I mean,
0: I just try to be, I just, I try to be as polite as I can when I'm biking. And, and for, well, for instance, I used to take the lane on the hill all the time and just say, you know, they can slow down if they want to slow down. And then after I had a few incidents that I really didn't feel good about, I said, well, I can't change the cars. I can't change the way they're going to behave towards me. So I can change how I descend the hill. And though I don't like to do it, I will, I will do what needs to be done. And, you know, I often I'm checking my shoulder on that hill making sure nobody's trying you know seems to be feeling like i'm in their way and I, I try to be as accommodating as possible i always stop at stop signs <laughs> i i i try to just follow the rules of the road as best i can and you know adjust however i need to to feel comfortable for the mm-hmm. most part i feel very comfortable on my bike
1: <laughs> i'm wondering if um i'm wondering how much of this you could choose to not answer this. Um, but I'm wondering how much of that speaks to some entitlement between how, um, men might traditionally ride and, uh, versus yeah. how like women would traditionally ride. Uh, yeah. I have, do you have any comments for that or not really?
0: <laughs> I would say I agree with your assessment. Um, there's just, a, I'm just gonna, can I curse? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> I think there's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> there's just a lot of bullshit in people's egos on the road when they're behind the wheel of a car, and a lot of times when they're on a bicycle, and that can come into play. And I mean, I always am just saying, well, I'm just trying to commute. I'm just trying to get from one point to the other. It's not a bike race. It's not like who's going to get to the bottom of this hill first. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? I, I my top priority is that I'm not going to crash and I'm not going to get hit by a car. Right. So what? if it means I need to like step aside and not go 45 down this hill that's what I'll do it's no big deal but certainly a lot of people bike differently people um, and a lot of people drive differently and it's mind-boggling
1: it's fair (laughs) wondering since you have like this crazy thousand foot climb well crazy for some not crazy for others Um, Mm -hmm. since you have this thousand foot climb um, any tips or mental strategies for folks who uh, want to get on a bike and they're really just afraid of climbing? Afraid oh gosh. Of, I know. mean,
0: luckily it's not all one hill, my thousand foot <laughs> climb. <laughs> but I don't mind climbing, I've never minded climbing. Um, Keep pedaling.
1: Yeah. Just keep don't. Keep
0: pedaling, keep breathing, and keep your chest up. <laughs>
1: Right on, as opposed to looking down and pinching off your airway. Yeah, and...
0: yeah you want to keep be able to keep your your breath moving when you're working hard. So sometimes you get kind of hunkered down, and then you're not getting your breath moving all mm-hmm. the way through your room cage. And also just find there's something about keeping your chest up and keeping your focus up a little bit more that, that makes you feel better when you're climbing. It's, it, you feel less
1: downtrodden. <laughs> yeah, right. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that like spot about maybe a hundred feet away where it just doesn't look like you're climbing. You yeah. you could just get to that spot a hundred feet away and do that over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. I
0: mean I, I kinda of fall on the side of being I'm very I'm pretty small as a person and so Climbing is very satisfying to me. I can pass people while I'm climbing. You know, a lot of people have to work harder than I do climbing. So I go go go. But then I'm descending, and I'm a ter- I'm not. I'm a terrible descender in that I I don't have a lot of mass. I, I always people are always flying by me on the descent, and I'm like, what What happened?
1: <laughs> I climbed so hard, and then everybody passed me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I um, I don't particularly suffer from that from that dilemma myself, but it is really satisfying to be on the other side of that coin and like really fly down, a, I'm down sure. i I'm sure. I
0: always watch people. Oftentimes, also, we're on a my commute is on a route where there's like bike packers and people with big bags on their bike, and you know you can see how hard they're working to climb the hill. Yeah. And you don't have those bags. You get up there, and then they come flying down yeah. on
1: looks so fun. (laughs) I could see that, for sure. Um, So you're not really, like, a recreational cyclist. Does cycling um, play any role in, like, making vacation plans, or anything like that for you?
0: Vacation? (laughs) Um, It's been a while since I have went on vacation. I I run my own business, and uh, it can be very hard to take a vacation. But I, in the future, I could totally see doing some kind of vacation associated with bicycling. I would love to do it. It's just a matter of having the time to to take to do that. And I, I don't know when that will happen for me, but maybe down the road.
1: Maybe so. it'll be in your. I, I predict it's going to be in your future. All right. We'll, we'll check back in about that. Sounds good. Um, so let me let me see I have some other I have some other questions for you but like it sounds like um, I'm making an assumption but are you you're not really a social rider you ride you commute so you kind of like ride solo I definitely
0: I like to ride alone yeah that um, I don't know I can't actually think I, I've ridden with my husband We've ridden together. We've even ridden together recreationally a little bit. We used to live in Costa Rica. So after Hawaii, I moved to Costa Rica, which is an interesting place to bike. Um, and we would sometimes just go out on our, our mountain bikes and ride places together. But I've I i don't I've never ridden with like a group or anything like that. I don't know that I would be averse to it, but I definitely really like the alone time of being on my bike. Mm. And I enjoy that.
1: Um, is there? I mean, you don't have any concerns about your personal safety because you're riding solo or anything like that, right? No. No. Yeah. That's good.
0: Some, I mean, sometimes there can be annoying other uh, other annoying cyclists on the road who want to talk or <laughs> hit on you or or just you know, but but usually not. And you know, you can kind of just put your head down and ignore
1: them. Right.
0: And no one's ever been really no one's ever been threatening to me on the road, just maybe a little bit of a nuisance. <laughs>
1: just I hear that. Um do you follow any blogs or websites or anything like that regarding like bikes or any Not really folks on social media that you kinda like stay tuned into? Not really. <laughs> um, um
0: I mean I guess I, I follow Ellie Blue, um, just because I work with her, um, with, with writing and I'm interested in what she has to say about cycling. Um, but I don't really follow like for informational purposes, anything about, about bicycling or, or for sports purposes, anything about bicycling. Mm -hmm.
1: And Ellie and Ellie Blue will of course give her a shout out. She's the, you know, she's my
0: publisher.
1: She's your publisher. She's, she's pretty awesome. Um, so I think, Let's, let's sort of bring it in with this, like anything for new riders, like what's one thing that a piece of advice you wish someone gave you any tips for, for women who would like to try on biking, but they're a little apprehensive about it. Mm. What are your thoughts about that?
0: I don't know. I I think, um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know that that's a hard, that, that can be a hard thing to, 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 that's not a really very useful piece of advice, because if you are afraid, you probably have very good reasons for your fear and you have to work through them. But um, I certainly can say that I've never been afraid to ride my bike. Um, I've had crashes. And even after the crashes, I haven't been afraid to ride my bike. So I think um, the, the benefit and the thrill of getting to do it, is, it far outweighs any risk, to my mind and anyway to so do it i guess it's my advice yeah right on if you if you feel the urge if you feel the inspiration to do it do it even if you have to just start like in a parking lot and just say i'm going to ride my bike around this parking lot so i feel comfortable so i feel like i i know how to steer and can balance on my bike that you know wherever you need to start to feel comfortable is a
1: fine place to start i think that that is really excellent advice okay so Emily, thanks so much for, for taking a few minutes to chat today. I really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. Thanks for hosting. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Emily June street. Again, you can find the links we discussed at girl eats bike.com forward slash joyride zero zero two. And Also, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate the show, leave a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Well, as I said, it is launch week here at the Joyride, which means we're posting one new show every day this week. Please tune in for tomorrow's episode featuring newbie bike tourist and all-around enthusiastic little firecracker that I am proud to call my new friend, Molly Futterman. If you or someone that you know uh, would be a good fit to be a guest on the Joyride podcast, just go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest. Now that is all lowercase. It's one of the few times that case sensitivity matters. Um, those bit.ly links, they're, they're tricky. And uh, so go to that link and tell me about yourself, or go ahead and share that link with uh, a gal who you think would be a good fit. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash joyrideguest, all lowercase. The more the merrier. Remember, friends, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride.